Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that he gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. This is the last Sunday in the 2010s, and as I was getting ready for this morning, I was uh, thinking back to 10 years ago, like when we moved into the 2010s, we thought that was kind of cool, and I, I never would have thought I'd be here. Like, it's just kind of nuts how fast that goes by, uh, and I know that makes me sound old by saying that, but that's the truth. Amen, old people? Uh, yeah, so we, we experience that. The older you get, it seems like they go by faster. The years go by faster. And, and it's interesting because I was thinking back, and I actually went back and looked it up. It was January 3rd, 2010 was our first service, and it was over in the elementary school in Strasburg. Like, that's where we met this, this morning, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. And uh, it, it was interesting taking a look at that. And even in 2010, like, we were celebrating some different things, like uh, Easter of 2010, we had our Easter service in Hemp Hill Middle School, and uh, that nice maple floor that they had just put down, so we had to cover it with this heavy, heavy, thick plastic, which cost a fortune back then, and uh, we just didn't know how we were going to be able to afford that, but we knew we had to do it. We did it, and then on that Easter, everyone showed up. We actually unveiled on that Easter in 2010 uh, these blueprints, this new um, vision that we had for a building. Somewhere in Strasbourg, we weren't sure where yet, but we knew we wanted to build this building. And uh, fast forward 10 years, and you're sitting in it right now. So it's kind of crazy when you think about those kinds of things. Uh, the other thing I noticed was in 2010, we, uh, we celebrated because we had baptized 10 people in uh, 2010. And so there were 10 people that were baptized, and that was just a big, big celebration for us. And uh, what's interesting about that is God has blessed us, it seems like, every year since then, and it just keeps growing and growing. Uh, This last year, in 2019, not only are we in a brand new facility, but we had 82 baptisms in 2019, 57 different people baptizing. Yeah, so that's an amazing celebration. Uh, We're really excited about that. So we're growing, we're seeing more people come to Christ, and, and we just... Man, we're celebrating that. People are getting serious about their faith. They're growing. They're maturing in Christ. And so this is what we want to... This is what we want to see. And so today, I'm doing something a little different. I'm going to do a standalone message. Uh, the title of the message today is Unfinished. Uh, Unfinished. God's not done with us yet. Uh, he's still working on us. And I, I want to share with you maybe some insight, like I said earlier, that, that hopefully will change this next year for you, uh, make a big difference for you uh, in 2020, but not just 2020, but beyond. And so today, I want to send you over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, verses 23 and 24. While you head there, let me uh, show you this. Uh, we moved out of our house uh, a couple of years ago that we had lived in uh, for 19 years. And uh, we had a foster daughter that we raised there. She emancipated out of our house. We took her to college. We had two sons that we, they literally grew up in that house. We raised both of them in that house. Uh, and so many other things I can tell you about. 19 years of history in this house. And, and we finally decided it was too big. I'd finished out the basement. Everything it was like five bedrooms and three baths. And and uh, the kids had left and gone to college, and we were empty nesters now. And so we're like, okay, let's, let's get a smaller place, and let's sell this thing. Uh, and, and so when we got ready to sell it, uh, this 
was part of our pantry doorway. And as you can see, my wife, uh, from the time our boys were little bitties, she started marking their height. And uh, over the years, anytime she thought about it, she would just pull them over and she would have them stand with their back against this thing and she would just mark there. And as you can see, they got taller than I am. And uh, that's what happens when you're raising kids. They outgrow you pretty quickly. But uh, we got ready to sell the house and she said, that board's going with us. And I said, baby, it's part of the pantry doorway. You're not taking that. We're just going to paint that. She says, we're taking that. And I said, I'm going to have to replace the whole door jam and everything. We're taking that. And so as any husband that's been married more than a couple of years said, yes, ma'am. And so um, I had to go buy an entire new door jam and everything, replaced all of that brand new door just so we could have this board. And as you can see, we haven't done anything with it. We still have it. Not that I'm bitter about that or anything. It's just, we just have it. All that work and, and it's, here it is. But anyway, here's, here's my point with this this morning. Um, it's pretty easy to mark physical growth. Like we can see it. Uh, we can mark it on a door frame and we get an idea of how much we've grown physically. But when it comes to spiritual growth, that's a whole different story, isn't it? Like it's a lot more difficult to track and measure spiritual growth. How many of you can say by increments how much you've grown spiritually over this last 10 years? I mean, it's, it's hard, isn't it? It's, it's hard finding a measuring stick to say, yes, we're definitely growing, and, and this is how much we've grown spiritually. I want to show you what the Apostle Paul had to say to this little church. It was a little group of people just like us in Thessalonica, back in the first century. He's writing the first Thessalonians to this little group of people. And this is what he has to say. He's wrapping up his first letter to them. And in verse 23, he says, now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. Now, this is one of my life motto verses. Uh, actually, our pastoral assistant wrote it out on a board, and I've got it penned in my office. This last verse, God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. I love that uh, because it really puts, uh, you know, the, it puts it on the shoulders of God, and not just me, right? It's not, it's not just me, but God working in and through me. And so he's faithful, and he's going to make it happen. And so I love that. But what I want to draw your attention to this morning is this first line. Now, may the God of peace make you holy in every way. Make you holy in every way. What does he mean by that? Well, I think if you're reading it a different translation, you're going to see that it actually says, maybe sanctify you through and through or completely. Or may the God of peace make you completely holy or pure or, or belonging only to him is what some of the translations say. This is a prayer that Paul is writing out for this group of people that he's been working with. He's seen them make great strides. They've been growing and they've received Christ and they're continuing to grow. But he says, look, you're unfinished. You're not finished yet. And I think if Paul were here today, he would say the same thing to us today. He would say that we are unfinished people. We're unfinished people. We're not finished yet. And we won't be finished until the day we appear before Jesus, right? We have not arrived until we arrive. And in that moment... We'll hear those great words, my good and faithful servants enter into uh, holy rest. And so it's this idea that we are working until that day to be more like Christ. And so we're unfinished people, but God is not done with us yet. Paul is actually talking about this, this theological truth that in Christian circles, 
when, when you hear it said, it, we say it this way, we say sanctified, or there's a sanctification process that's going on. And, and actually, we talk about it like this idea of becoming more holy or pursuit of holiness. And so I, I want us I to take a look at this idea today, because I think this idea, if we really understand it, might change this next year for us. It might not just change the one year, but maybe the whole decade, all of the 20s for us is my prayer and hope. And, and so uh, we know this idea of becoming holy or becoming uh, you know, sanctified has not happened yet. We know that we're unfinished. Why? Because we got up this morning, we looked in the mirror, right? Uh, we're, we're so far from being perfect. We're nowhere close to being in the image of Christ yet, but we're growing in that. We aren't completely holy. We're not completely pure. And most of us, we don't even feel close to that. Like we're so far removed from that. Like to even talk about becoming like Christ, it kind of makes us cringe because we know how far away we are from Christ. And it's one of the great paradoxes of the Christian faith is that the closer you draw to Jesus, the further away you realize you are. And you're just growing to become more like Christ every day. And we can, we can talk about it here, can't we? Because we're honest with each other. Can we say that we're unfinished, that we're not perfect, we're kind of wrecked and broken? Is that okay? Look, look to the person next to you and say you're jacked up. Yeah, we can say that, right? Because we are. That's, that's the honest truth. We're, we're not right yet. We're unfinished. Now, uh, with that being said, I want to tell you, I like that because uh, having this, this honest format within the church is so critical because honestly... It's, it's, it's important for us to know that we're not right. We don't have to pretend like we're perfect. See, I grew up in a church where you came in every Sunday wearing your Sunday go-to-meeting clothes, and you put on a nice face, and you pretended like everything was great. And then you fought over where you were going to sit, right? And it's just it's crazy how we do that, but we pretend like everything's right. It's okay here to say we're not okay. We're, we're unfinished. We're not there yet. And actually, honesty compels us to admit that we have a long way to go and to be okay with the process. Now, with all that being said, let me just stop for a minute and just give you kind of a, a clarification. I want to make sure that we're clear on this before we move any further. Uh, but it's the difference between sanctification and justification. Sanctified and justified. See, Jesus went to the cross and he died for us. He rose again and he offers us salvation. If we believe in him, we put our trust in him, we turn our lives over to him, what happens is we are in that moment justified. And what that means is if you were to die the very next day and appear before him, he would see you through the blood of his son, through the, the work that was done on the cross. You are justified. I was raised in a church where uh, I received Christ, but then I was like scared to death every moment I was going to lose my salvation because if I thought a bad thought and then Jesus decided in that very moment to come back, I would be like jacked, right? Oh no, here I, you know, I, I've been living my whole life and now I had this bad thought and you came back at the wrong time, Jesus, and now I got to go to hell for it. That's really what I thought as a kid. And how messed up is that, right? And when I started to dive into scripture, I started to realize, you know what? There's a lot of this pressure that could be taken from me because Jesus has already done the work on the cross. And I'm justified in him. And so when you receive Christ, you are justified. But does that mean that we're done? In that moment, we just go, hey, I'm justified. Uh, thank you, Jesus. And we move on living our lives the way we want to. No, Paul actually wrote a whole book about it. And in that moment, he's like, do we continue sinning? And he's like, of course not. What are you, crazy? I mean, it's strong language he uses. He's like, no way. Don't do that. So Jesus came. He gave his life so that we might be justified. But also in that moment when we receive Christ, we start a new process 
of sanctification, of the pursuit of holiness. Now, in this idea of sanctification, if I would give you a layman's definition for sanctification, uh, we would say it like God making us more like Jesus every day or making us holy or the way we say it here all the time. And you've heard this if you've been around here just a few Sundays. We say it this way, becoming more like Christ every day, becoming more like Christ every day. It's this process of growing and maturing. Uh, I want you to know your heavenly father loves you so much that he doesn't want you to stay where you're at. Like he wants you to grow. He wants you to mature. He's your heavenly father. Uh, This is one of the reasons why as parents, we know that if our baby stays a baby and never matures, there's something wrong. We expect them to mature. It's why that we, we care so much and we worry so much about how our kids are turning out. As they get older, we start to work with them even more so that they're making good life decisions because the way they mature is important. We've given them life. We've, we've raised them up, and we've got to send them out the door someday, and we're worried about them. We want them to make good decisions. It's important how they mature. Uh, well, if you take that same truth and you apply it to the spiritual realm, what you find out is that God cares about how you're maturing. He wants you to mature. He's your heavenly father. And get this, he's invested in you. Maybe you haven't thought of it this way before, but he's given you life. Like he breathed life into you. He's invested in you. He's known you from the very beginning. It says that he knit you together in your mother's womb. He knew your name before your your parents ever did. He knows all of your days. He is invested in you. Now get this. He actually has invested the death of his one and only son in you. Do you think he did that just so you can say, thank you, Jesus, and go on with your life? No. No, he wants you to mature and grow up in him. Sanctification is critical. It's important for us as believers to mature and to become more like Christ every day. Sanctification is this divine guarantee that God's investment is not going to be wasted. Like he's assuring you that he's going to finish the work in you that he started. We're just beginning. We're unfinished. We're not quite there yet. Now, with all that in mind, he knows you. He's always known you. You are his, and he wants you to grow up. Can I say it this way? You may have not have thought about it like this, but God has bigger plans for you in 2020 than you can imagine. Now, let me ask you that. I just read that. Do you believe that? Do you know that? Do you believe that God has bigger plans for you in 2020 than you can imagine. Right on or no? Right on. Yeah, I believe so. I believe he is invested in you and he wants to see you grow. He's got great plans. He's waiting for us to wake up and partner with him in the work that he's doing. To to pursue that sanctification, to pursue that holiness. Sanctification is God's commitment to us. That we're going to make it. We're not there yet. We're unfinished, but he is personally going to see to it that we are, are finished, that we follow through to the day when we arrive before him. So what does that have to do with us here and now in this last Sunday in 2010s? Um, I would ask this, how, how will you actively seek to grow in 2020? See, because this is the time of the year that we sit around and we make um, New Year's resolutions, Right? 
Like we look at uh, last year and we, we kind of do this year in review and we figure out what we liked, what we didn't like about our lives and we try to make some decisions to help us have a better year next year. We do this every year. Uh, we just went through an entire series on the wise men. And one of the things I found out about the wise men is they're wise because they were seeking Jesus. Can I just say it this way? If you're making New Year's resolutions this year, wise men still seek Jesus. They do. I know some of you are coming into this Sunday, I was thinking through this going, well, some people are going to be sitting there and they're going to be going, well, I've got plenty of time. I'm not worried about it. Because I know we've got a lot of young people in here. You're just getting on with your life. Some of you haven't even figured out what you want to do yet. And you're like, well, I've got plenty of time. And I want you to know that um, I was doing some research here this last week and I found out that in the U.S., the life expectancy is 79.3 years. 79.3 years. You know what that means? That means if you're 35 years old, you have 531 months left. That's what you have. If you're 45, you have 411. If you're 55, you have 291. If you're 65, you have 171 months left. If you're 75, you have 51 months left. If you're 80 or beyond, congratulations, you're in overtime. You're killing it, man, all right? So uh, here's the other thing I realized. Even though the U.S. life expectancy is 79.3, Scripture tells us that tomorrow is not a guarantee. So we don't have all the time in the world. We have today, and hopefully tomorrow, hopefully next year. And so my question is, how will you actively seek to grow? How are you doing that? Because you need to start right now. Um, I, I want to challenge you with something a little different. 75% of all the New Year's resolutions that are made have to do with uh, getting fit, uh, going on a diet, and losing weight. Those three things. 75%. I want to challenge you with something different this year. I want to challenge you to take a different approach. Maybe make a New Year's resolution that has to do something more substantial. Maybe spiritual. Um, How about engage MVF? If this is your home church, uh, engage on a deeper level. Because here's what I want to challenge you with. I believe as we've sat down and planned out 2020 for Mountain View Fellowship, for all of us, we've got some amazing things. We've got some big, big plans. There's so many cool things going on. We've kind of dubbed it the year of the story. We're kicking off uh, next year, kicking off starting next Sunday, a brand new series entitled His Story, Our Story. And we're going to be talking about the attributes of Jesus, the, the characteristics of Jesus and how, as his disciples, those things should flow out of our life as well. We're also going to be teaching you his story and how it intersects with your story in hopes that you'll learn how to tell your own story as it relates to Christ. Uh, we're going to be using Mark as a walk through Mark as a discipleship tool. We're going to teach everyone how to walk through Mark. And actually, in your life groups, you're going to start next year by walking through the book of Mark together. It's just the life of Christ and learning how to to grow closer to him, learning more about Christ and becoming more like Christ. Uh, In 2020, we're going to be more missional than we've ever been. We look back over the last 14 years, and and in 2020, we've got some big plans. We're going to be missional. This, This last year, we... We're in South Africa, we were in Bolivia, we were doing a lot of different things downtown uh, Denver, and, and we sent out some different mission teams. We, we did a lot of stuff. It's not that we've never been missional, but this year we're taking it to a whole nother level. We're going to get more active in our own communities. 
Um, and so I'm really excited about that. Uh, I want to see many of you, and you've heard me say this before if you've been around any time at all, I want to see many of you get wet. Uh, I want you in the baptistry, baptizing your friends and family and neighbors because you learned how to share your story and reach them. My goal is that we would wear this baptistry out. I'm hoping we'll just wear holes in it. We have to buy a new one because of it. Um, so here, here's my desired result for you for the end of next year. Uh, I pray that you will know your story. Not only will you know your story and how to, how to convey that to the world around you, but you'll be living on mission every day looking for the opportunity to share that with somebody. Uh, if somebody come up, comes up to you at the end of 2020 and asks you, who's your discipler and who are you discipling? I want you to be able to answer those questions. Why? Because this is the way Jesus lived his life. It's the way he calls us to live our lives as well. And so I want you to be able to identify your, your discipler and, and one or two people that you're discipling at least. I think this next year, if you commit to this, you're going to grow more personally than you ever have. You're going to grow spiritually. You're going to grow in your biblical knowledge. And we're going to see the kingdom grow together because of it. Now, I want to illustrate it this way, because this is why I think this is so critical and, and why I think you need to go this direction with your New Year's resolutions instead of, of I'm going to get fit, I'm going to get fit, I'm going to, get, um, I'm going to go on a diet, I'm going to lose some weight, all right? Because if you read any self-help book, if you've gone to any conference that talks about self-improvement, what you're going to run into is you're going to see uh, what they call a lot of the time wellness circles. And here's an example of it right here. Uh, you'll see this a lot of the time. It's, it's got four, six, maybe eight max is the most I've ever seen. Everybody has their own method and how they do it. And it's, you know, environmental, financial, occupational, social, emotional, spiritual, intellectual, physical. They're all different. They all spell out different things. Some won't have this because they feel it falls into another one. And so whatever. But my, my point is this, is that I, I think this is good because we identify areas of our lives that we want to be healthy in. But here's what we have wrong in all these self-books and in these conferences. I think so often when we talk about them, they talk about it this way. They say, well, all of these work together. And you got to get good in all these different areas. And then, because it's secular, here's what they do. They get to the spiritual one, this one up here, and they say, um, oh yeah, and if, if you have some spiritual needs or if, there's, you know, if you believe in a God, that's great too. And they leave it at that. Now, I don't think it works that way. I don't think we were designed that way. Let me show you kind of an illustration in hopes that it would make more sense. See, I believe that the way we're designed is not that we have all these circles and they all operate independently. And I'm telling you this not because it's in a book somewhere other than the Bible, but because I've experienced it. This, this is my life experience. I've run into this so many times in my own life. What I believe is that we, when we commit ourselves to spiritual growth, when we commit ourselves to sanctification, to pursuing holiness, to fostering an up relationship with God, I believe what happens in that moment is that God meets us where we're at. Why? Because he's faithful and he will do it. And he begins to pour into us. And as we grow spiritually, what actually happens, you'll get stronger, you learn more, you, you are becoming more like Christ every day that begins to pour out of the spiritual aspect, and it begins to pour into all the other ones. Now, I say this because I've learned this in my own life. I've seen it happen so many times. I can tell you so often, running my life like this doesn't work. Because there's times when I was physically fit, but I was a mental wreck. There's times I was financially stable, but I was emotionally unstable. 
And when I've done it like this, when I've focused on my spiritual health, here's what I found out. When I'm spiritually strong, all the other circles work themselves out. They all rise. They all, I become stronger mentally and emotionally. I have, I've gone through serious traumatic experiences and been okay because I was spiritually strong. It helped me mentally and emotionally to make it through that. Um, when I got serious about my spiritual walk with Christ, I learned that there was a way to handle my finances. You know what happened to my financial circle? It got a lot better. See, when we focus on this, when we say that we're going to grow spiritually, those other ones, it will flow out and pour into the other ones. This is how God has designed it. Can I challenge you this morning? Don't make trivial New Year's resolutions. Make a spiritual one. Make a substantial one that's going to change you forever. Not just for 2020, not just for the 20s, but for the rest of your life. I believe if you do this, I believe God promises us in verse 24 when he says, I'll make it happen. Why? Because he's faithful. I believe that's a promise that he'll meet you right where you're at. And you're going to have the best year that you've ever had in your entire life if you approach it making this type of a commitment. Can I pray for that for us right now? Would you join me in that? Heavenly Father, we come to you right now just as people who uh, we want to grow, Lord. We want to mature. But Lord, so often our focus is in the wrong place. Uh, we find ourselves uh, worried about the way we look or our hair or um, just what we're wearing or driving and in our house. And Lord, we, we look in all the wrong places. May, may we stop on this last Sunday of the 2010s and may we look toward you instead. God, I pray that in a year from now, when we're at the end of 2020 or maybe 10 years, 20 years down the road, that we'll look back and realize that this decision changed everything for us. That we begin to focus on this, this sanctification process of working toward you and allowing you to do the work in us. And Lord, may we see how that affects all the other areas of our lives. Lord, I just pray that this continues to mold and shape us and grow us up in you. May we be people that look and walk and talk more and more like your son every day. God, we pray that you would receive all the glory and all the honor for this. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen. Thanks for joining us here at Mountain View Fellowship. We'd love the chance to meet you in person. We gather each Sunday at 9 and 1045 a.m. at 1955 Headlight Road in Strasburg, Colorado. If you aren't able to join us in person, We'll meet you right back here next week. God bless.